a spiritual life coach, Savannah Stiva, started her spiritual journey 20 years ago, but her real transformation began after experiencing extreme abuse and feeling forced to take her power back. Recognizing her own responsibility in the equation, she stopped blaming others and her light started to shine again. Through tons of self-work, compassion, grace, and forgiveness, Savannah's personality was unleashed. A fun practice including sensual dancing became part of her routine and shifted her entire life, from the way she walks into a room to a noticeable change in her relationships, proving that each step she takes brings her into the next level of courage. We also talk about triggers and what that says about you. We talked about how to keep your cup full for those days where you get challenged, because trust me, you will. And one of my favorite moments in this conversation is when we got to talk about the ripple effects her transformation has had in her children. Get ready for a fun, vibrant, and heartfelt conversation with Savannah Stiva. This episode is produced by Leo Rod and sponsored by Formosa Hot Sauce. The holidays are here, and if you haven't tried Formosa Hot Sauce yet, this is your sign. Formosa Hot Sauce will rekindle your taste buds, and it will make every single holiday dish even more delicious. Ayacas? Check. Ensalada de gallina? Check. Pan de jamón? Oh, check. Formosa? Check, check, and check. Don't forget to use eDiver20 at checkout to get your 20% off. Welcome to the Rekindle Your Light podcast. I'm your host, Idaibar Orozco. In addition to being a podcaster, I'm also an actor, a sole purpose coach, a human design reader, and an emotion code practitioner. My purpose is to help people reconnect with their inner light and radically transform their lives when they realign with their purpose. If that's something that you or someone you love is seeking, then you can reach out to me at idiver at rekindleyourlight.com or just find me on social media at idiver. This is Rekindle Your Light. My name is Savannah Steba. I am absolutely excited to be here with you all today. I am coming to you from Austin, Texas. And I am a beautiful native to Austin and the melting pot of Austin. I'm actually half Latina, my mother, and then my father, as you may have heard, Steva, is actually Czech. So I have a wonderful mixture, wonderful background that I came from, sort of having these two very diverse different family groups. And I am a spiritual life coach here in Austin, Texas, with a mission and a passion to remind people that they matter, no matter where they came from. And I'm just thrilled to be here and share some love with you all today. Oh, Savannah, I love that. I see. I didn't even know you were half Latina. I love that. <laughs> I love that. So Savannah and I met in June in Austin, actually, while we both were attending the Higher Self Retreat that Sahara Rose hosted. And it was such a magnetic connection. I just felt so attracted by your vibe and by your passion. And there's something very vulnerable about you, but at the same time, so strong. And I just connected with that right away. And like, I always tell you, I'm like, wear that red color girl, because it suits you so well. And it, it represents, I think, in a nutshell, what I get from you. So the honor is mine. And I just want to start by taking our listeners into a little bit of a journey of where everything started when you decide to become a coach where was that coming from I answered a call when I went into training to become a life coach 
I'd say about 20 years ago, I really started to have a passion for a spiritual journey and growing myself personally. And I had that little nudge 20 years ago that I'm here for a bigger purpose. And for me in particular, at that time, I was working in corporate America. I was really in a downward spiral in my personal life and relationships. But I always had this passion and this spark inside of me. And what ended up happening was a downward spiral of many years where I just shoved that down. I continued to just really shove that down. Then around 12 years after that, so around my early 30s, I actually ended up in an extremely abusive relationship. And at that stage in my life, I had pretty much cut myself off from my friends, from my family. And while on the outside, when people saw me, I was looking as if everything's okay and I could put on that face and I could make that front, I really hit what was going on beneath all of that. There was a situation that was a final straw for me where I ended up with my young son in a very scary situation, physically worried about our well-being. And that was the last straw. I ended up leaving that relationship with no money, no plan, no idea where I was going to go. And I ended up falling back onto a community of other women by coming out of my shell and reaching out. And little by little, I started to grow. And so that is really the point in my life where something clicked. And by reaching out and finding that community and starting to really get deep in my spiritual process and finding some love and compassion and grace, I rebuilt this life that's beautiful Mm -hmm. and enchanting. And in that, I decided I would like to let others know this is possible, that it doesn't matter what stage of life you're at or where you come from. And so that's what really led me into making the decision to be a coach was to share my experiences and also to have the opportunity to hold space for someone else during their most vulnerable moments. You hear something that unfortunately is so common with women, which is abuse and whether it is emotional abuse or physical abuse or sexual abuse. It's something that even as we discover during the retreat, it's a lot more common than what we think because we tend to just put on our pretty face and just go with the day and not sharing our most vulnerable moments with somebody else. So how long were you in that relationship and how deep did that journey of accepting the abuse went for? Yeah. So really, I would say that in that particular one, to answer your question, it was about five years. And it happened so little by little. And much of it was actually verbal. Much of it was just a takedown of who I was little by little and a lot of gaslighting. And it can happen so quickly. Mm-hmm. And then you can tend to carry some shame around with that. So in that particular relationship, it was about a five-year time frame from when it was beautiful and, you know, fresh and fun to where it got to the point of I woke up going, what happened here? And then really stepping out and making a change. And did you experience that before? Did you grow up in an environment that was surrounded by that? 
Yes, I did. And so that is exactly where, like I say, in that particular relationship, it was Mm -hmm. five years. It started when I was very young, right? I witnessed my own mother physically, very severely physically abused by her significant other. My parents had split when I was very young and my grandparents had actually taken me. And I was put into a situation when I was young that in order to see my mother, I would have to hide what was happening at her home. In order to continue getting to see that visitation, I learned at a very young age to pretend like the abuse wasn't happening so that I would still have the opportunity to have a relationship with her, which ended up being something that developed my own self-worth and dropped that down for me as a woman and really led me into about three abusive relationships from the time that I was 15 until I was 32. That's why I wanted to ask you because unfortunately that tends to be the norm. Most of the time what abuse presents in our adult life is because somebody experienced that kind of abuse growing up or, or witness it. You know, sometimes it's not your direct abuse, but witnessing somebody else being abused becomes almost normalized. And because this is something that happens very common, I wanted to ask you these questions, even though I know they tend to be a little touchy to to talk about these subjects, because I don't want to tell people, oh, it's all beautiful and perfect on the other side, but it takes a lot of work to go from that place of that wounded child to be now a wonderful, vivacious woman. There's a lot in between. You mentioned community, but was there anything else in between that you did? I love that you asked this question because I'm excited about this part. It was the part, and I I really encourage this for all experiences in life. It was the part where I stopped being the victim. I really started to accept my responsibility, even at a young age, in my part in all these situations. And that can sound so difficult to do, especially when you're talking about pain, no matter if it's, you know, pain that you experience from abuse or from some other form of betrayal, there tends to be this natural way that we blame the other party and we put all of this on them. That is giving your power away. And so the biggest part for me was when I took that power back and I didn't take it back by blaming and shaming the other party or myself. I took it back by taking some deep breaths taking some responsibility and ownership for myself. And then when I pulled back and stopped being in that victim role, there was this vivacious light that came on. And little by little, I started to feed that flame with self-love, with affirmations with grace and compassion for myself. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't this stage where it was like, why did you put yourself in these situations? Why did these people do these things for me? It very much became this place where I had such loving compassion for myself as a young child, as a teenager. And I really unconsciously held space little by little as the years went on to each tender moment in my life. And if I found myself negative talking, I'd send some love and some compassion in that space. Mm -hmm. So the most powerful thing that I did outside of community was one forgiveness, pure forgiveness, understanding that everyone in any situation, including myself, was working with the tools that they had, the experiences that they had, and 
taking the power back into my own by not being the victim, but becoming the forgiver of my own self and of everyone else. Mm -hmm. And that just looked this joy and this love and this compassion in me that with consistency and at first it was sticky notes reminding myself these little affirmations all around my house or in my car, these little love notes to myself. I would write love notes to myself, these, these things that I would find in my drawer. You know, it started by consistently putting reminders around myself. And then little by little, I rewrote that. And each time I was able to let go and forgive someone, there was a lightness that came through. I love the the practice of the post-it notes. I don't do it myself, but I I have a friend who you go to her house and you see the notes everywhere from her (laughs) kitchen to the bathroom mirror, beautiful reminders and, and nuggets of love that she gives herself. Sometimes we say, yeah, we send love to our inner child, to our younger self, to our teenager. But how do you do it? Like, do you sit down and say it? Do you write it down? Do you look for a photo? Like, tell us a little bit of what your ritual would look like. Yeah, absolutely. So my ritual actually started with envisioning. And it was literally closing my eyes and envisioning that little Savannah. And if, you know, looking at a photo first helps some. For me, I would start to walk up to her and hold her face. And tell her it's all going to be okay. That envisioning practice was something that I also did with my own mother. You know, as we talked about, a lot of this had started in my childhood with some of the things that I had seen from, you know, the primary woman in my life. And I held her. I literally envisioned holding her in my arms and just patting her head and telling her I love her because I recognized She needed that all along. My own mother had passed, but by envisioning and seeing her, I was able to give her that love. So one of the big tools that I used was really envisioning someone that I felt like I needed to forgive and seeing them tender in space with me and sending them love. And then I will say that a photo of me at the age of three lives on my dresser. I wake up to it in the mornings. It's something that I have in between photos of my three children. And so I I imagine like she's playing with them. So she lives in that moment. So that was a very big thing for me visually. And then I also really harnessed a loving routine for myself in the morning. So I appreciate that you brought up, you know, we can say self-love and these things can be so broad. Mm -hmm. For me, it became a constant commitment to showing up for myself. And let's say I didn't hit it, right? Like I, I wake up, I do meditation. I set an intention with an intention candle You know, I take some time to do breath work and and also sensual dancing in the mornings is very big for me. And like the days that I don't hit that and I don't make that, I stopped beating myself up about it, gave myself a little love in that moment. It was like, all right, you're good. Move on, you know? And then by consistently having that morning routine and also being really gentle and compassionate as I developed it, that sense of worth and a boundary setting really started to fall into place. I'm very curious about this sensual dancing. Tell me more. I'm like, well, <laughs> well, what do you do? Do you just start dancing in the mirror naked? Like, what is it? <laughs> so I say sensual dancing because 
it's very much about just moving my body in circular motions or allowing it to just flow with music. And sometimes, I mean, this music can go from a very tribal sound. Sometimes I'll go back to 90s hip hop. I mean, it can go back and forth, but it's allowing myself to really feel into my body and to move my body with honor. Because again, a lot of my story that we kind of touched on I really was in kind of a shameful shell around here. And so when I say sensual dancing, I haven't done it naked in the mirror yet, but that might happen. But it's very much just about how I move my body. And I really, the first time I allowed myself to like circle my hips and my waist just for me, just in my space, you know, move my arms, it lit this up inside of me that really just gave me this empowerment as a woman. And I remember once my young son waking up and like coming out into the living room, he knows that I do my morning practices in the morning. I just happen to get up a little early and, you know, I'm twisting and it's tribal music. And I, I stopped for a second and was like, oh, should I stop? And then I thought to myself, no, like this little boy's just walking in and sitting on the couch and seeing a woman comfortable in her body, especially his mother, what could be more empowering for a young boy to grow up with? Mm-hmm. And, you know, he ended up just falling asleep while I was doing my own little dance session. But it became such a spiritual thing to allow myself to move comfortably in my body and experience that sensuality that lives inside of me different than sexuality it was sensuality and it's been such an empowering healing thing for me so with that practice which it's something that I don't think we give enough permission as a woman to do what have you noticed has shifted in you because I see it. Oh, so much. I encourage, I encourage this so much. It shifted my entire life. It really did. It gave me this just burst of honor and vitality and compassion and love and joy that I had never fully experienced. It was this honoring of coming into my body, but not thinking too much on it, just allowing my body to move. And it changed how I walk, literally how I walk into a room. It changed the energy that you feel around me. And It changed the way that I am in relationship with everyone from my children to my friends to people that I partner with in my career. It literally opened up this vessel inside of me that I became overflowing with love. I totally see it. When I think, like I said, when I saw you at the retreat, I was attracted to that. I was like, oh, I want some of that. Like, give me some of that. There was something very freeing about you. And I think, you know, not knowing you before then, it doesn't matter because I still see the shift. Even within that weekend, I could still see the shift of you coming into this powerful place of leading with your sensuality. Like, this is all me and I'm going to bring it and I'm going to show up. So it did something for you trusting that this is how you want to show up in the world. 
that this is this is all of you the flaws the the beauty the passion the vibrancy this is all you and it's big and beautiful and bold and ready to be expressed and ready to be received by the people who are ready for that kind of energy and that kind of vibration. Let me ask you, has that affected you in a non-positive way in the sense of friends or people feeling triggered by this new you? It has. And that is also a big part of that journey. And that's actually happened in the past year. And that happened with a shift of friendships. It happened with people who had remembered me as something and I was shifting to something different. And it absolutely, it triggered a lot of fear. And in some of my very close friends that I had had for, you know, 13 plus years, it triggered a lot of question and degrading actually by someone I was in previous relationship with. Bless I'm not anymore. This person verbally said towards me, like, who's going to want to listen to you? Mm -hmm. Who's going to want to hear your story? You know, who are you going to help? And so as I started glowing and really coming this essence of who I I am into that highest self that we talk about, it absolutely triggered people that have been a part of my life. And that was one of the most beautiful growth experiences because I had to recognize that it's okay that this relationship ends or that it changes. And that also brought me to courage. It's like each step in it, I kept climbing to the next level of courage Mm -hmm. because I had to come face to face. I'm not someone to just ghost you and not give you, you know, I don't have to give you all the reasons because we don't have to explain ourselves to everyone. And some people aren't going to get it, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to give you the honor if I care about you to say, this is changing. I'm changing. And so it absolutely, it did. It ended some friendships that were 13 plus year friendships. It shifted some friendships and it really did help me recognize that people are going to be triggered when you start to fall into that place of wholeness and glow within yourself. And it gives you the opportunity to really become brave Mm -hmm. through that and grow through that. Why do you think is that? Why do you think people are so triggered by a powerful woman being authentic? I think that we are triggered by that because one is fear. And I also think that the other is that we desire that courage within ourselves. I speak this from my own experience, from my past. It's like you can be triggered because you feel you have that potential Mm -hmm. or because you feel like you're not living up to your highest self. And so seeing someone else do that and be okay with whether someone likes it or not, that can be extremely triggering to someone who's closing down parts of themselves and they will try to bring it down to their level. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the biggest thing. And I think that some of it is fear around the unknown for people that may have been in your life for a while. It's fear around not knowing what this means and losing something that they, they hold on to as a crutch. And then, yeah, I think it triggers people because they, they aren't living into their highest potential. And so it, it really just gets them a little bit turned off by it and they want people back down to their level. 
Yeah, I, I love everything you're saying. We're humans. So sometimes I get triggered by people that are doing something that I, I find myself having a reaction to. So what I've been doing lately is when I have that reaction, I'm like, let me stop for a second. I'm like, why is this? Why is this triggering me? So instead of putting it on that person, you know, it's like, it, there's has to be something about me, there has to be something some shadow work that I have to do, some deeper awareness that I have to get into that is making me have this reaction. And I noticed particularly that this has been happening with some people that tend to be too openly sexual for some reason. And I'm like, oh, and then I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. What's wrong? Mm, what's going on with me? I'm like, why did I have that reaction? Why don't I have been suppressing? Why have I not been expressing? I'm like, wait a minute, you know? So what you said is such a beautiful invitation for people to take a pause and realize and ask themselves, why do they think they are having such an activation when they see somebody? Because, you know, you're not hurting anyone. You're just doing your thing without even caring of what anybody has to say. So it's like, why do people feel so triggered by that? So ask yourself that. It's like, oh, why am I triggered? Because most likely there's something within you. I mean, most likely, no, I can guarantee you there's something within you that is feeling activated for something that you have to work on. So I think you say you say it beautifully and I also want to reflect on the fact that you mentioned how a former male partner had a very specific reaction to it. And recently speaking with another friend about this theme, not in the podcast, but just having a regular conversation, she was mentioning how this former partner became verbally abusive around the things that she was doing. And it was a very, very similar well, you're never going to do this. Nobody cares. And it's almost these kind of people that need to put other people down so that they can feel better about themselves, you know? And I find it interesting that even though your journeys are very different, you both have the same reaction from former partners and that you wear so much in your power to realize that I am not going to let this thing bring me down. In the contrary, I am going to continue to show up even bigger and better for myself. Just golden, what you just share. So let's take into where you're at now. Like, So you're feeling amazing and, and you're you're showing up in a beautiful way. But what happens when you wake up one day and let's say you have your period? <laughs> And you're bloated and you're not feeling beautiful. What, what do you do differently in a day like that? That is, I start before I get out of bed on days like that, because I have them. I have them. I start with compassion. I actually tell myself before my feet hit the ground, this is a day to be gentle and soft and compassionate with yourself. And if I don't know that it's going to happen, you know, some mornings, especially on that period, you'll know that you're going to wake up and be like, today, I need to be really gentle with myself. Mm -hmm. If it's something that may trigger me throughout the day, or I run into something, again, it's I, I stop, I take the step back with a deep breath. And I remind myself, be gentle and compassionate with yourself. Now's not the time for big decisions. Now's not the time for a lot of putting your energy out. Now's the time to hold space for yourself. And I honor that. And this is even as a mother of three and someone launching their own business and website and all of these things that I, I have to give energy towards. I honor the days and the moments that 
I need to be gentle and soft with myself. And I start by specifically saying that. And then I remind myself, this is not the day for big choices, big decisions, big conversations, or long conversations with friends. This is the day to acknowledge that as the energy that I have, I need to allow myself to hold and hold that space for myself. Yeah, I was just going to ask you about your kids because you're probably being pulled in 1,000 different directions. And there are days where probably something arises where you're not able to have your morning routine the way you want. You got to skip it. You have to just keep going with your day. So is there anything you do throughout the day or at night to kind of make up for what you couldn't do in the morning? Or did you just let it go and was like, okay, well, today was the day that I did not get to meditate, exercise, eat healthy, or take a bath. So just being okay with it. Like what, what do you do in days like that? Yeah, that's exactly what it happens on some days like that. Mm -hmm. Some days like that, I'm okay with it. And actually I had one of those happen yesterday. I had my whole schedule laid out and, you know, it's, you know, sitting down at my laptop, getting ready for something. And then the phone rang with family affair and it was very important. And it drew me into a whole different direction for my whole day. And what I did was in that particular day, I didn't have the opportunity to fill in my practice later in the day. So I gave myself compassion. He said, that's okay. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't happen today. That is fine. Mm-hmm. And and really by continuing to say to myself, it's okay to be gentle with yourself, keep moving. I stopped beating up on myself. There was a point in my practice where I'd be like, oh, you didn't do it. You've got to fit it in. And, and then I became too rigid. So allowing it to just be a day that it doesn't happen, you know, when we're showing up for ourselves consistently enough, and then you have those days where it doesn't happen or it shifts or you get knocked off of your usual, your cup is full at this stage from being there for you so much that now that's okay. I could handle all of those things that came at me yesterday because I've been showing up for myself consistently enough along the way. And I feel like I continue to bring this back to being gentle and compassionate in those situations and, and recognizing when I do have the opportunity to maybe breathe a little bit extra that day. If I didn't get to do my morning practice that I'm so used to doing, if I just allow myself the opportunity to listen to some soothing music in the car, or if I can fit five minutes of breathing in while I'm driving and different things like that throughout the day and and then being okay with it not being perfect. Yeah, there's a couple of things that you said. One is that the flexibility, the avoiding being so rigid about what we do, you know, we can get so caught up with that, giving yourself permission to change things, to continue to explore other things or try things in a different way. And sometimes you discover you you stumble upon things in a better way. And you're like, oh, I've never done my practice at night, but it actually helped me sleep better. So even having that flexibility sometimes takes you to a better alternative. And then something that, you know, you have been using a lot, the words softness and compassion. And, and I, I wonder how that trickles down into your kids. How, how does that as a mom, what, what do you see them? And I, I can tell that this is something that touches your heart. So tell me, tell me more about that. That I, I'm going to be honest with everyone here listening <laughs> or watching. I have tears welling up in my eyes from that question. So you did touch my heart on that because I am seeing... Oh, this is touching my children 
on a daily basis. And it has been so powerful. I actually have a picture of all three of them sitting right here looking at me while I do this. And each time I do some sort of interview or some sort of live, I have them looking back at me and them watching me. It's a big part for me because I'm seeing these three men soften Mm -hmm. themselves because they're seeing their mother whom, you know, two of them, one's 22 and one's 17, they've seen me through a lot of these dark nights of the soul. They were part of it. They were young children going through it and they've been through some things themselves. So it's teaching them that you can show up no matter what's happened in your life. You can pursue your passions and your dreams. You can make yourself a beautiful priority And it has shifted in the younger one, how he talks to himself. And when he makes a mistake, it's okay to make a mistake. When he goes into a dark room that he might be a little nervous about, he'll come back and be like, I faced my fears and I was brave. And then again, for, like I said, the the moment for him to know that his mother dances in the morning in a very tribalistic way, like he is seeing that as a young man growing up honoring woman. And it's also taught them to honor their boundaries in space. Something that the older two saw me not do for years. You know, now my 17 year old and I have We actually had this conversation the other day. We were like, okay, we need a moment. I need my space. And he's able to say he needs his space. And I'm able to say I need my space. And then we recognize not to to have that heavy conversation at that moment, to take a step back. So it has empowered my children to really become great individuals step by step because they've seen me stay with this journey and they're seeing that glow. Mm -hmm. They see their mother coming to life and this vitality and this excitement and showing up for these things. And it is allowing them the courage to do the same. Oh, I love that so much. And you're doing so much generational healing. You described how you have forgiven your mother and how healing that is for your relationship with her, but now with your relationship with your kids. And it pretty much ends with you. And it's such a powerful mission. It's such a beautiful legacy. That's the best gift you can give your kids. Not carrying that resentment, not carrying that that abuse as your flag. But it's like, yes, I went through it and it was freaking hard and I survived it and I am better because of it. Not that that was something you wanted to go through, but it's like, well, that was the life you got. So I, you have made the best out of it. And now setting the example for your kids of the opportunity to be in relationships and how they're going to treat their girlfriends and how they're going to treat the, the mothers of their girlfriends and how they're going to treat their kids in the future. That's that's healed. It's not going to be perfect, but it's going to be healed. It's coming from a very different place. So I just love that so much. So thank you. So Savannah, what we're going to do now is I have my deck. We're going to do a little segue here to just ask you a random question that this deck feels that we need to listen to. And I love this, you know, and the, the, the theme is growth. Okay. And the actual question is when was the last time you felt like giving up and what motivated you to keep going? Mm, I feel like that's so beautiful for this conversation. Mm, I would say the last time that I felt like giving up in a way in, in, in a way that we'll say in general on the life that I was used to leading was May 31st of this year. 
I actually had a huge thing happen in my life. And that was that I had a drop kick from the universe and was let go from my nine to five in corporate America. And I had a very comfortable situation going on at that time in my life. And there was a feeling of what am I going to do now? And what got me through that was trust in the process. I continued to tell myself trust in this process because I was taking accountability for the energy that I had put into the breakup of that relationship, if you will. It allowed for so many other beautiful things to come into my life and for me to start my own business and really launch in my coaching. So I'd say that, you know, I had a moment that I wasn't expecting that really changed everything about the life that I was living. And for a split second, I thought, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then I said, trust in this process. And by doing that, I've had more come into my life than I could have ever imagined. It's so difficult to do this when you're going through it, when you're in the moment, when you're like, what the heck am I going to do now? How am I going to feed these kids? How am I going to pay my bills? So how do you trust? So you say, I'm going to trust in the process, but how do you do it? Yeah. So for me, it was really at that stage being very, very intentional in my thoughts, very intentional in my energy and where it was going. That is how I trusted in the process because it was not a trust in the process and throw it to the wind and, you know, somebody will pay my bills for me. It was very intentional in developing my relationship with money mm -hmm. in having a practice where I took a look at how I looked at money and I made sure that I was investing in how I felt about money. Mm -hmm. It was investing in, at this stage, I'm going to be sure that I'm clean in what I'm eating. I'm clean. I'm giving myself lots of water. I'm getting lots of rest, right? So it was very intentional with how I talked, the words that I was using. That is because, okay, I'm feeling a little vulnerable, I'm feeling a little out of control and I'm saying I'm going to trust in this process. So I need to be sure that I'm showing up for this process as the most real and wholesome version of myself. It's almost like the universe sends us these challenges because we are not doing the things we said we were going to do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. you know so it's like we go and and we make these plans and we say this is what I'm gonna do and we're just sitting there and waiting comfortably for the thing to happen and then it's like <laughs> well it's not gonna happen unless you take action and since you were not taking action then I'm gonna show you the action so here you go what about not longer that cushy job what are you gonna do now and it's like whoa oh absolutely <laughs> that was definitely the process in this situation and that is is where I say I've I've come into more than I could have ever imagined and I'm grateful for it. And I was grateful for the journey. So also in that I would light, I call them intention candles in the morning and I would say how grateful I was for 
all of the things that I did have. And um, that really allowed space for more to come in. But I definitely know and took responsibility for the fact that I had made a commitment to do some things and I had not fully launched into them. And the universe said, you're meant for a little bit more. And if you're not going to do it, we're going together. So. Yeah. And the reason why I want to highlight this is because sometimes we get these nudges from the universe in different ways. And it's just kind of like when your car is breaking down, right? And the first thing you get is you get a light and you ignore it and then weeks pass by and now your car is vibrating and then a few more weeks later and your car just decide not to start so it's the same thing with the universe talking to us you know we get maybe a cold or or you know or, or a sore arm or something and you're like eh, it's okay you keep going and you keep working and you keep pushing through and and you're not leaning to the softness you're not leaning into the gentleness of the process and you just keep going and then next thing you know it's like oh now you have a fever so pay attention to the things that the universe is trying to tell you so sometimes when it comes to career and work related you are stuck in a toxic environment and you just ignore the little red flags or you just ignore the backhanded comments or you just ignore the way that you feel which is your biggest indicator to know where you are in relationship to anything in life, to your job, to your spouse, to your kids. That's your biggest way to measure how you're doing in life. And we ignore them. We choose to ignore them and just keep pushing through. So guess what? The universe at some point is going to have to smack you in the head with a big hammer and to see if you finally wake up. So I think we all have had those experiences where we have just chosen not to listen. We have chosen just to keep going and pushing through. And then we end up on the other side of like, oh, I should have taken slower or, oh, I should have taken that time off or, or I should have expressed the way I feel. So all of these to say, my friends, is that pay attention because the little signs and the little nudges are the way that the universe is communicating with you. You know, and it's a, sometimes it's a, it's a very soft process. You're not going to get the billboard. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you see the billboard and it says in there clearly, change your life now or something. And we're still ignoring it. And we're still like, is that sign signy enough? <laughs> you know, like, what are you waiting for? <laughs> so you're getting the freaking sign. So go for it. But, but yeah, that was, that was really, really enlightening to listen to how you navigated through that difficulty. You know, we're not ever going to be free from those difficult moments. So it's about how we react to them, how we navigate around them that will make a difference on how we come on the other side, you know, and, and I think that as long as you continue to lead with that gentleness and compassion and authenticity, I think there's no other response from the universe than reward you with the things that you deserve because we all deserve them. So becoming more magnetic, becoming more attractive by just being you, whatever that means for you, you know? So thank you so much, Savannah. You're just so full of light and you're the perfect guest for this podcast because my mission is to bring these kind of stories to the world and, and having people connect with realness, you know, because let's keep it real. It's not as simple as it looks on the other side. You guys are just seeing the, the highlight and the real on the Instagram page. And that is not how we got there. Trust me. And this gives you an opportunity to have a little bit of like a behind the scenes of how do we even get to that space and how do we continue to stay in that space? Because like I said, it's a, it's a never ending process. 
So Savannah, if somebody wants to reach out to you and wants to work with you, where can they find you? Yes, absolutely. The best way to find me is on Instagram and you will find me at do you savvy and that's savvy with one V. And I am currently taking one-on-one clients and very excited to have been here and shared this time with you. And coming very soon, you will also be able to find me at doyousavvy.com. That's wonderful. I'm so excited to see that website finally come to life. And yeah, we'll keep in touch and keep us posted on your Instagram and how things keep developing. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people interested and attracted to working with someone like you. Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share this episode with anyone who could benefit. And as always, if you are in need of additional support, just reach out. We can schedule a free call to see if you want to work together one-on-one, or you can subscribe to my newsletter and stay tuned about events and offers that have come in. Thank you again. And remember, it's during our darkest moments that we must focus to see the light. <laughs>